You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode will be talking about the cars, the cars. On the line, I have Rob. Oh, yeah. Ben. Uh-huh. John. Yes. And Kyle. Hello again. The Cars is the debut album by the American new wave band, The Cars. It was released on June 6, 1978 on Elektra Records. The producer was Roy Thomas Baker, and the genre is pop, rock, new wave. I'm going to read from all music review, Grave, Greg Prado. The Cars' 1978 self titled debut is a genuine rock masterpiece. The band jokingly referred to the album as their, quote, true greatest hits album. But it's no exaggeration. All nine tracks are new wave rock classics, still in rotation on rock radio. Whereas most bands of the late 70s embrace either punk, new wave, or hard rock, the Cars were one of the first bands to do the unthinkable, merge the two styles together. Add to it band leader, songwriter Rick Ocasek's supreme pop sensibilities, and you have an album that appealed to new wavers, rockers, and top 40 fans. One of the most popular new wave songs ever, Just What I Needed, is an obvious highlight, as are such familiar hits as Good Times Roll, My Best Friend's Girl, and You're All I've Got Tonight. But like most consummate rock albums, the lesser known compositions are just as exhilarating. Don't You Stop, Bye Bye Love, All Mixed Up, and Moving in Stereo, the latter featured as an instrumental during a steamy scene in the popular movie Fast Times at Richmount High. With flawless performances, songwriting, and production, courtesy of Queen alumni Roy Thomas Baker, the Cars debut remains one of rock's all-time classics. All right, what do we think of The Cars, The Cars? Hot damn. Certified masterpiece. <laughs> Definitely top 10 debuts of all times, possibly top five. Yeah, this is unstoppable. In the every single song out of the gate is just like pitch perfect pop candy masterpiece. It's, it's yeah, unbelievable. Every, every single song on this record received airplay on American radio. Every song. You you Even can tell folks ones. that you, you, you could tell folks that this is Greatest Hits Volume One and they believe you. Kind of, I, I know I made the reference on the Van Halen one, but same thing for this Cars album. Yeah, possibly yeah. more so. I mean, not every Van Halen song on Van Halen made it on the radio. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. So what is what is it about this album that is just that just sounds so crisp, so new, so fresh, so right? It's late fifties, uh, early sixties 
pop guitar throwback, you know. Okay. With I a new wave treatment. Which, you know, I mean, what is this, 78? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so their influences are maybe 20, 25 years old. But they've also got the sweet Moog. And I love this record. Guys, I think you guys, we all love this record, right? Yeah. yeah. We've known each other for a long time. I know that we have we all, all been drunk on the same porch listening to this record. We all love this record. But listening to it again for this podcast, like closely, uh, I'm in touch with your world. I was like, uh, I wrote down, where did that sax come from? <laughs> it came from Greg Hawks. <laughs> the sax comes back at the end. We're all mixed up. There's a huge, huge saxophone part. That's how you tie it all together. Oh, this record's a masterpiece. <laughs> I, I, never, well, like, I never put together that the last three songs were like this uh, uh, or sweet. You know, it's Benjamin Orr singing on all three songs. And they all R. kind R. of P. fade into each other a bit. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it's like a little, a little baby Abbey road at the end. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't, so I didn't know that Benjamin Orr sang on, on any song until this project. Dude, you'd be surprised how many songs you think are Rick Ocasek singing that are, are Benjamin Orr. Like, like okay. shake it up, shake, shake it up as Benjamin Orr. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Four, four out of like, the nine songs on here are Benjamin Orr. Th- there, there's certain Benjamin Orr songs that sound different enough from the rest of the car's catalog that you know it's someone else. Like like Drive, like Who's Gonna Drive You Home. Hmm. Yeah, that That's not- notably not Rick Ocasek. It, it sounds almost like a different band on that one. But so, yeah, so many of these cars classics hits. Like, he was co-lead singer. You know, I, I don't think that he gets credit he's due. I've had, like, uh, like all the Cars records uh, for a long time. But Good Times Roll as the first track off this record, I always remembered it being just what I needed. Maybe that was the first track off their actual best of record. Uh, just what I needed was their first single. So maybe that okay. was what it was. Good Times Roll is such a weird song to, like, start off with for the cars is that weird i thought it was until i thought more about it about who they're bringing into the album um and how they're approaching the audience because if you can if you're bringing in top 40 people that were i I, as i was listening to this i thought about calling them the everly brothers of new wave if you're bringing in an older crowd into this pop sensibility merging it with new wave punk I, I don't know if you'd say punk but sort of sure. more rock um with a little it's bit 1978, of 1978 you can call anything punk you want uh, sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> art, art rock sensibilities synthesizers it, it makes a lot of sense to say hey remember chuck berry remember everly brothers and elvis in uh the beatles i mean they are essentially bringing all that together and i think it's a it's a soft introduction if they were to start right away with just what i needed even though it's a classic maybe it would have not been received quite as quite as well in there i think the the okay, i hear you yeah the, the way it's a track the the tracks are listed is amazing i mean it's it feels perfect it, and i can't believe because i thought it would be after hearing the first four uh, I, I I thought, oh well, those are the hits. Like it'll probably dip <laughs> down. No, it doesn't. It doesn't drop yeah. off at all, which is 
it's like a it's not even a plateau because you would have to have an incline to get to there it just sits on top of a mountain it just rides at 10 man yeah it's just it's just it's a a cruising altitude from start to finish and probably maybe it's because okasic produced it but like it it like weezer's blue album like Mm -hmm. every single fucking song like is just pop gold um but yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like that, this is one of the best debuts I've ever heard. It's a yeah. great, yeah, great debut. Uh, I haven't looked at the sales numbers for this, but like six million copies. Uh, on one, charts for one hundred and thirty-nine weeks. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I do have that. Yeah. A tight little know, thirty-five like, minutes long. I can see how it's too mainstream for, I guess, like new wave cool people back then. But yeah, you know this record. It's on Q95. You hear it every hour on the hour. You know, it's it's like um, John Fogarty. You know, it's like these songs are timeless. You're not gonna you're not gonna hear any of these songs and be like, ugh. I think I understand what kind of what you're saying, Kyle. The way, I, sorry if I'm interrupting, but the the way I look at it is you you can look at it from. Uh, perspective of saying yeah that's kind of glossy it's kind of pop it's a it's a little too perfect at this time though i mean people should have been impressed they didn't have studio magic to sort of go back and cut everything and put put in all the the tracks you know put all the overdubs in but i think when you get down to it when people are are thinking at, at it from a real musical perspective it has to impress you i mean no matter what, even if you don't like the music, you have to look at it and say, wow, that is that is pop. If that's pop music and that's pop and rock and, you know, combination, it's impressive. How they are constructing these songs is pretty amazing. Now, that's what I call music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this yeah, is pop. They, they are not the angular. Uh, they're, they're not television. They're not. Right, they're they're not also yeah. not non-angular if we're grouping them with pop music. Yeah, they're 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 such like uh, they're they're riding both sides of that fence, and which might which might be part of their recipe for success. You know, they they they've got very easily accessible pop songs, but in the pop scope, they're. They've got the angular things that uh, that new wave and punk bands are doing. Yeah, they've they've figured yeah. out a way to temper and flavor that. Like, <laughs> it, it, take a drop of Cleveland and put in two drops of the West Coast, and then you yeah. know stir in a schmear of some Chicago. You know, like they found a way to make a blend that isn't as you know off tasting as like Perubu might be to the average sampler. You know. Right. But it's like, oh, but I've got, you know, but they've got some of that feel and they've got some of the feel of like Jonathan Richmond, you know, like they've got things in there. There's a new boy that you meet. It doesn't know the real surprise. Here she comes again when she's dancing beneath the starry sky. Best friends girl. 
I don't know, listening to the last three tracks of this record, like Bye Bye Love, Moving in Stereo, all mixed up. A couple years ago, I was listening to this record, uh, and All Mixed Up came on. And Claire was like, what are you listening to? But uh, The Red House Painters covered that song? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So she knew like the Red House Painters version of that, but I never heard the original. But it's just that's good songwriting that it, you know, like that's a good song, and then somebody else covers it. It's still great. Like, can anyone else find it impossible to separate the sound of listening to move in stereo with the visual of watching Phoebe oh. Cates come out of that swimming pool? Yeah, I think once you see those together, you can never take them apart. That intro, it, just, it doesn't happen. It, once, like, once the guitar hits that tremolo, that's the bikini top coming off. That's the sound of boobs. That's what boobs sound like to me, as it has been impressioned on me since my teenage years. <laughs> yeah, and if you've ever wanted to listen to a song that necessitates like headphones, um, yeah, yeah, that's I love that song so much, man. Yeah. That is a good. That is a good uh, point. This is the the recording on this is really interesting. Um, and obviously they chose uh, Roy Thomas Baker, who was known for you know working with Queen, the Stones, all different people. But they sought him out because they knew they wanted to be a little more adventurous, and they didn't want someone who would just be by the numbers uh, in terms of uh, production. So obviously the guy who did Bohemian Rhapsody, they were like, yeah, let's go with this guy. <laughs> we know he's down to experiment in the studio and do some weird stuff, which you're, I think pays off a lot. We're listening to Don't You Stop. It just has these little elements that if, uh, if it was a regular band, if it was a regular, if they were, I don't know, if they were neutered, I guess in a, in a way that would produce just the same old, same old of some of these other bands, it it wouldn't have worked. It's like, Eno working with the talking heads, you mm-hmm. need a little bit of, uh, uh, influence. You need someone there at the board that can really make your band excel and, uh, and bring in elements that people maybe haven't heard as much before on, on records. That's, that's what a lot of these new wave records are, are, uh, are pushing. It's cool. Uh, in 1979, they lost Best New Artist Grammy to Trivia, A Taste of Honey. A Taste of Honey. The one. Uh, wait, which which version of it? A lot of people have done that song. Was it the Herb, Herb Albert? No, it's the, the T. artist. The, 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 the band? The artist, yes. Oh, the artist, Taste of Honey. Yeah. Um, I, I would guess disco. Yeah. Their big hit was Boogie Oogie Oogie. Yep. Yep. Uh, but they were in 1978. They were named the uh, best new artist by Ro- R- Rolling Stone and Cream. <laughs> they got that going for cool. them. Well, Taste of Honey is also adult contemporary, in case you guys want to know more about <laughs> <laughs> Taste of Honey. Are we getting any Taste of Honey in the, in the book? No. <laughs> <laughs> this whole album re- reminds me very, very much of the era of way and I was introduced to it and listened to it most, which was the front porch of second and park and Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, this was front porch with beers, heavy rotation. I love this record, man. 
apparently the drummer for the cars, uh, David Robinson designed most of their album covers. Uh, not this one. And obviously not Candio because that's Varga, but he had a design that he wanted to use for this one that they ended up using for the insert, which is like a black and white photo collage, which my copy of this just has a plain white insert at some point over the years, someone swapped it out. So I, I had to look it up. It's cool. I think it would make it maybe a, a pretty cool album cover. It would definitely look like more of a punk or new wave album cover than the current album cover, which no one from the band really liked that much. <clears throat> it was done by the label. Uh, it's definitely an iconic album cover, but maybe that's because the album is also so good that, you know, you know, like I think they uh, it wasn't necessarily a misstep, though, because it does bring in a little more Roxy music style. Oh, totally. I didn't even see that connection. But this, yeah, to absolutely. This album. So it, it, if you if for some reason you don't know what the car's debut looks like, uh, first of all, go get it. And uh, second of all, it's a uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's like it's like a, a, a model in the front seat of a car, very close up, her hands on the steering wheel. It's a clear vintage steering wheel. She's got the other like forearm over her forehead and just a big old shit eating grin. Uh, this is, is the only Cars album we will we will be having in the book. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Oh, really? no, Heartbeat the, City is my the, favorite Cars record. That's your favorite oh. Cars record? I'm not saying it's the best, Ben, but it's my favorite. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this is probably the this this is I can't imagine putting anyone above this in this book. I mean, this yeah, if you're just, only going to get one yeah. of the Cars albums, this is the one to get. This yeah. is the one. Yeah, they did. They didn't try to pull a super tramp on us. I'm still mad. <laughs> the Cars have a lot of great records, but if I would if anyone if anyone, anyone, anyone asks me which Cars album to get first, it's their first album. Yeah, like that, this, City. this, this is your, this is your entry level, entry access to the Cars, and if this is as far as you get into the Cars, at at least you've gotten this one. Nineteen eighty five. Uh, we just listened to, <laughs> we just listened to the solo of "You're All I've Got Tonight." Great solo, mm -hmm. really yeah. good solo. Yeah, and the drums on your I've got tonight are awesome too. I mean, just that, like mm -hmm. that pounding, like almost like motoric Tom beat. Elliot Easton, is, I, I think he he's an underrated guitar. Like they're they're not showy, you know. They're they're not they're not Van Halen or Hendrix solos, but they are so tight and tasty, and they fit right into the pop format that they need to fit into. Yeah, I think this this band is is absolutely going to be. I mean, this is similar to another band we're going to get to very soon, Devo, where it's almost mechanical. I mean, it's taking, it's picking up a little bit on what Kraftwerk is is put in some of those other uh, bands we're laying down of almost having a robotic sound of of how uh, how how perfect, how technical you can be within pop music.
Birch, that actually reminds me. Uh, years ago, Sump Pumps were at Russian Recording, uh, re- recording Revenge of the Sump Pumps. Uh, I was there, Rob was there, Kyle was there, and we were specifically recording the song Mechanical, the Mechanical, which is like a more of a mid-tempo, synthy, dancey number. And at that point, we were in the routine of playing 2 a.m. at Uncle Fester's uh, to, to a drunk crowd, and we were and we were drunk boys. And we came into the studio with that song, Mechanical, and I remember the advice that Bradovsky said. He said, if you want to make this song work, you need to be able to play this song so tight that the car sounds sloppy. And I'd never put, <laughs> I'd never put together before the, the cars and their tightness. But yeah. after he said that to me, I listened to the cars with new ears and I was like, what? holy shit. Yeah. They are clean as a whistle. Hey, I'm in that band. I'm technically in that band. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I said it, you. you. You were mentioned, Kyle. You, you were there, Kyle. You. <laughs> Did you leave the room? Kyle, do you need help? Uh, yeah, I think I do. He's just, just having a Steven Tyler moment. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, no, that, 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 that car's quote always stuck with me. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I did want to say the the way they got this the cars kind of came up in the industry and got signed to Electra records is they recorded a two track demo of the songs, uh, uh, passed it along to management. Uh, and then they put it on the two popular Boston radio stations, WBCN and WCOZ. And the plot was to have these uh, radio stations play them. And they were so radio friendly that they would get, they were some of the most requested songs at the time. And by that, and having that, it meant that they were a success. A uh, record, they could have their pick of record labels. Um, and Electra picked them up because they were wanting to get into the quote unquote sort of like new wave game. They hadn't really picked up new wave artists. And uh, that's, that's all she wrote. That's that's why they went with Electra too, because uh, Arista was interested in them at the same time that Electra was. But at that point, if Arista had a nice stable of new wave acts, and so they had the choice of you know being one of many in a stable or being Electra's only new wave act, new wave act. So that, I think they they made a good choice. And that's how uh, two cars songs got on the soundtrack for the last American version. So there we go. <laughs> we Can, did it, guys. Canon Films is finest teenage story <laughs> is it open arms that plays at the end where he's just crying like driving down the street i'm pretty sure yeah. it's open arms oh my god lemon ice is that the movie that's no. the yeah that's the israeli, that's the israeli yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't also open arms what plays when he's taking her to get the abortion just like in fast time is it rinse run high yeah uh i don't know oingo boingo has a song called better luck next time on that soundtrack <laughs> uncredited written by danny elfman <laughs> yeah in our cans right now speaking of cans uh is tb kate's bikini top is oh, what's in our cans right now <laughs> Oh boy! Just that sound of the tremolo, and then the oh man! <laughs> I like that. There's tremolo on his vocals it's when he says the word tremolo. Inside tremolo. Yeah, they just put little like little tricks in there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, 
end of Don't Just Stop, they pan from left to right. You know, they make it they make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Cameron Crowe was the one that was involved with uh, oh getting all the songs together for Fast Times? Yeah. Cameron Crowe? Yeah, he wrote it, man. Fast Times? Yeah, totally. He wrote it, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't That's be surprised, kind of mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He wrote it, you, you galoot. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely uh, appreciates his music. I did find it interesting, too, that... Uh, you know, they broke up. Obviously, Rick didn't want to get back together, but they reunited in 2010 because his his youngest uh, children had never seen him as a rock star. <laughs> so yeah. Like, I'll show you. <laughs> they put kids. out a record in 2010. I, he's like, Shit. I totally rocked. I'm going to show you how we rocked. <laughs> and then they broke up like shortly after. <laughs> And then his kids just rolled their eyes through the entire entire show was, because no kid is good. impressed with their. Parents. Did you guys listen to it? It was pretty okay. Yeah, I, I have not now, but I believe you. Thanks, Rob. Hey, babe. I love this record. Okay, I love this record. It's is, uh, is "Moving in Stereo" the song that best uses sleigh bells? Or would it be? Ooh, dude, that, that I mean, that is that is a tough call because you no. know how I feel about very good Christmas music. I feel mm. like that's an yeah. easy call. I mean, it's yes. definitely a solid use of sleigh bell. Kyle says yes. I don't so, know. They're, they're, yep. they're, that's all you need. Kyle says yes. I say jury's still out. There's probably something awesome on uh, uh, yeah. Phil Spector's A Christmas Gift for You that uses sleigh bells. Mm. Kyle says. You're either listening to this song or some bullshit. <laughs> Do you hear oh, sleigh bells? He's, he's, it's a Coles commercial. <laughs> if it's not the cars, it's a Coles commercial. Haven't we heard sleigh bells in something cool recently? Like in the last couple weeks of, of meeting? I could be wrong. Um, it seems like I've we've heard been... nothing cool. In the I want to be I want to be your dog, I guess, doesn't have sleigh bells. Oh, no, no, that's... I, no, it's a piano. It's a it's a high note on a piano. Yeah, but we've maybe some maybe something from Berlin sessions. Uh, that we heard sleigh bells on something. Yeah, there's a Velvet Underground song. I'm probably not picking up on right now, but um, I think there maybe are even Lust for Life. I think there are bells on um on something that uh I know Iggy's a part of. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. Robert Palmer, music critic for the New York Times and Rolling Stone, described the Cars' musical style as quote. They have taken some important but disparate contemporary trends, punk minimalism, the labyrinth synthesizer and guitar textures of art rock, the 50s rockability revival, and the uh, melodious terseness of power pop and mix them into a personal and appealing blend. I think that's pretty uh, spot on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's very spot that's on. That's a good stew. Yeah. All right, we're all on the positive on this one. Next time we'll be talking about Devo, are we Ooh. not men? We are Devo. <laughs> <laughs> D-E-V-O. Is right. it my birthday? Thanks, y'all. Down.